Hello, good afternoon. Um, well, afternoon from London. Uh, welcome to Deaf in the City, and this is your host, uh, the Deaf Passenger. So thank you so much for um, joining me. Now, normally I'm actually on here on a Sunday night around midnight, and normally talking to the early hours of Monday morning up till like three or four a.m. So. This is totally unusual for me to come on at this time of day. Um, however, we are not in normal times. Um, so, yeah, so uh, thanks for clicking onto here and wanting to, wondering wondering what a deaf person has to say <laughs> in this day and age. So just to let you know, group calling is switched off because I am deaf, so there is no point in using 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 that um so yes i am yes i may speak clearly but i am actually deaf as in i can't hear very much at all so i never stick to the rules on here only because i can't listen to other people's live casts um so i actually don't know the rules of live casting so i've done this since i think november last year normally about once a week i think one time i did three times in one week i think cause, just because i was so bored but um yeah so i actually missed sundays and i'm sure i missed the week before as well um i think just with everything going on i've been kind of up and down myself and it's been kind of difficult to uh make sure my sleep is not becoming deprived and not going upside down so I've actually been awake kind of going between uh sometimes it'll be like five in the morning all the way all the way through till um uh, sorry I mean asleep from like five in the morning all the way through the day and I'll be waking up at six in the six in the evening so it's kind of, it was like that during the last week and um I decided to actually go back onto my sleeping tablets which I very rarely do um only because I don't usually need them and unfortunately I I had no choice in the matter because like with for myself lack of sleep really can affect me so yeah I'm now back to being awake during the day like a normal person so <laughs> um so yeah just just a little introduction of myself because Probably most of you on here will have never uh, listened to me before. Um, so I'm known on here as Rosa or the Deaf Passenger, and you can follow me on Twitter. At um, my Twitter handle is at Deaf Passenger. Um, you can also have a look on my blog. I haven't written for well over a year on it, but I'm I'm kind of hoping I will. I'm I've kind of got to a point where I've got really frustrated. <laughs> And, and I want to just whack at the keyboard and and vent out my frustrations in therapy. <laughs> so um, if you do want to go on that anyway and have a look, and hopefully I will um, kind of start uh, posting things, hopefully, especially with this going on, it's like, well, I have to kill boredom somehow. Um, feel free on going on www.thedeafpassenger.com. Um, so I am actually deaf. I've been deaf since I was around 26-ish. Well, I say ish because I, like, I lost my hearing quite slowly for the first couple of years. And then within a week, I went from basically about half deaf or 
you know, 50% hearing loss to to around 90% hearing loss. So I went from basically moderately or hard of hearing or moderately deaf to severely deaf. So hence the speech is still quite clear. I mean, I still have to concentrate quite hard in doing so, but hey, we'll get there. Um, and I'm also physically disabled as well, so I'm a wheelchair user. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been through a lot in life. <laughs> However, um, for some reason, everything going on is is has got to me, has really got to me. I, most people know that I'm someone who kind of just gets on with things. When when things are thrown in the air, I just go, right, I've got to get on with normality. It's my way of coping. And the problem is I don't have that coping mechanism at the moment. Um, so, yeah, so there's kind of a few things that I do want to talk about. And this episode or, yeah, it would be episode because this is going to be recorded or is currently being recorded, um, is about um, having a disability um, during the coronavirus. Now, I know for a lot of people that may be a boring subject, um, but I hope that you will stick around, worth listening to. Um, as I said, this is being recorded, so if you kind of get a bit overwhelmed on it, um, then you can kind of go back to it at a later time to listen to later on. Um, but I hope that this um, is kind of worth it in terms of listening. And feel free while I'm talking, um, if you've got any questions at all, it can be about anything, whether it's London related um, and what's going on over here or what London is like anyway in general on a normal day. Um, it could be about disability, about being deaf. Um, yeah, so feel free. And also let me know what you're up to. Are you, are you in a place where it's locked down? How are you coping with it? So feel free and kind of joining in and kind of butting in while I'm, while I'm talking. Um, so yeah, so without further ado, here we go. So normally I have a cup of tea in hand. That is not the case today. It is way too warm for that. So currently in my hand, I have a fruity water Capra Sun and I've got absolutely addicted to them. They haven't got any added sugar um, and I'm terrible in drinking water. So this is not an advert for Capri Sun. Um, however, however, it's it's I just had seen them in my uh, local supermarket and I thought, why not try? And crikey, I am drinking tons more than normal. And the good thing is, as I said, there's no added sugar. It's not um, any sweeteners added. It's just simply a bit of lemon and lime juice added to the water. Now, you could say I could do it myself at home. However, with disabilities, doing lots of extra things 
can be tricky at times. And so this is really good. And also they've got the straws. Everyone knows what a Capri Sun looks like. It's got a straw. And for me, using straws, actually, um, I, I need straws a lot of the time because I have uh, muscular problems um, due to kind of complex neurological stuff. So, yeah, so that's one thing. It is absolutely joyous weather over here, and I wish I could be out sunbathing. Nope, not happening over here. So for those of you who don't know um, or haven't figured out my accent, <laughs> I'm English. I'm, I'm actually in London. Um, so at the moment, we are in the midst of lockdown. Not much fun. Not much fun at all. Um, as a disabled person, I mean, there's lots of different um, experiences um, about staying in. Um, and it kind of, it really depends on each person just how how everyone is coping, disabled and non-disabled. So um, just to clarify on our lockdown, because I know there's other countries that haven't even bothered doing the lockdown. I don't know why some some have a different version of lockdown um at the moment um we are having what are we having i don't know what we're having sorry just to let you know because of my epileptic brain sometimes i will suddenly switch topic i'm terrible at that but just bear with me um so yeah so with our lockdown basically we're only allowed about an hour of exercise a day. That That's kind of questioned when I'm in a wheelchair. But, hey, it's good for my mental health to be able to get out. As, like, obviously, I don't want to go out every day because that is not good for me in terms of increasing the risk of getting coronavirus. And I'd rather not have that. And then on top, yeah, I'm in a wheelchair. So when people see me, they're thinking, well, she's not jogging, she's not cycling, she's not walking. So how is she exercising? So you may be asking the same question. I'm exercising my mind. Um, I might joke about that, but actually uh, mental health is extremely important. So for those of you who are new to staying in, oh, I so feel for you. Um, you know, I know it's really, really difficult. So hear me out on this. I know that some of us, even myself in the disability community, have been wanting to whack non-disabled people across the head with a baseball bat at times because what we're currently getting is a lot of frustration um, from non-disabled people moaning about staying indoors. There's a lot of people... Um, in the disability community who have not been able to go outdoors for days, months and years at a time. So I will be telling you kind of a few people, a uh, few stories of people that I do know. Um, I will keep them nameless only because um, just out of respect. Um, but I want you to kind of take your head away from worrying about staying indoors at the moment uh, kind of here in Britain they're saying 12 weeks at the moment obviously kind of having a look at other countries and um 
um, having a look at other countries and kind of the how how many deaths are peaking and how many people are getting the coronavirus. And I think for Spain, it's now starting to come down, apparently, which is good in terms of how many deaths there are. So um, we know that there is a point and also for other countries as well, um, you know, where it's starting to numbers or people who are dying are starting to go down. So in one way, that's for for us as Brits, because we're not nowhere near our peak yet, if that makes sense, we at least know there's a hope of this starting to be able to kind of improve the situation. Um, although obviously for a lot of people, it is not improving. Um, you know, as I said, we're, we're nowhere near our, um, what, our peak tally of deaths at all. We're still going up by the day. So it's still quite nerve-wracking. Um, and our NHS system um, is is starting to, well, I think it was probably starting to get stretched a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, so to, to those of you who are listening and who are key workers or essential workers, so not just who are um, working within health systems, if you're in police forces or fire within uh, you know fire fire forces no um, you know um if you're within the fire brigades um you know if, if you're helping in any way at all just a massive thank you even if you're a cleaner making sure the streets keep clean thank you seriously thank you so much for kind of keeping everyone running as best as possible so the rest of us can Keep as safe as possible. So, um, you know, I just want to make sure that those who are listening and, and maybe having a break from, from work at the moment, you're having a day off. Um, seriously, huge, huge respect to you for having to go out and really face full on um, at times. And also, as I said, to keep keep things moving. Um, however, today, I, I don't know really how to kind of, approach the topic um but there is a huge issue with um disabled people and how we're coping with this so for many of us including myself um many of us already know what it's like to have been housebound or bedbound for days months and some even years at a time so personally, I know of uh, three people who have actually been um, bed bound for over over 10 years. So imagine that. If you're someone who's complaining about being shut in for two weeks to, you know, to do self-isolating just because you're being on the careful side, thank you for being careful. However... I am getting absolutely fed up of seeing this, not just not just from everyday people in general, but even worse, celebrities. Oh, for the life of me. When you put hashtag we're in this together, I don't fucking think we're in this together. So excuse my language, but I have ticked the explicit. OK, so be prepared. I swear. So I'll tell you a story about one a person that I know, um, 
and call I'll call her Alice for this purpose. So Alice I've known for oh coming on about 13 years. I think it'll be 13 years that I've known her for. So around um say around 10 years ago, uh 10 or 11 years ago, um she she has ME, so that's called myalgic encephalomyelitis. That's the correct term for it. Some people will know it by its old term, which is chronic fatigue syndrome. No, it's not just tiredness. And I will explain Alice's story, so it might give you a little bit more of a understanding. So Alice has had ME for a very, very long time. Um, I got to meet her um about six years ago I think was the first time about six or seven years ago um however I've known her for 13 years um and Alice was going to university even with Emmy um at the mild sort of mild moderate um sort of levels that she initially had she still had this exhaustion constantly but she got through it and she was going through uni and and enjoying life and at least enjoying and being able to go out every so often and see her friends and anyone with a chronic condition um will understand that just because you're going out seeing friends does not mean that you are suddenly not basically on the floor for a week following if you've ever gone out and you've got a chronic condition yeah um and then, unfortunately, Alice went to, I say unfortunately, so Alice was then recommended to go to a particular hospital um, who do, quote, um, you know, recovery help in terms of ME. For those who are in the ME community, we know I don't have um, ME myself, actually. I've got fibromyalgia, which is it's a similar condition but it affects in different ways um and Alice suddenly went from being moderately able to manage life and manage uni to suddenly being uh bed bound completely flat so couldn't even sit up in bed and that was after she went to a rehabilitation unit um which was aimed for people is um ME and she basically came home worse than she did going to the hospital. Um, I mean, that's a really long story about uh, PACE trials and things like that, um, which is will be another thing altogether. Um, so she is now completely bed bound, totally flat, can't can't sit up at all, and that's been her life for ten years. She's unable to watch television because it's too much um, intake of um, sensory overload. Um, she's not able to listen um, to music uh, very often, not even audiobooks. And she lies in a room in the dark. Um, if she was in a lit room, that means um, sensory overloads. And that could put her in in a really bad situation. So 
obviously with Emmy, we're still not 100% sure how it works. However, it does severely affect people. Um, and that's been her life for 10 years. So then imagine that for 10 years that you are in a dark room, not able to watch the television, not able to listen to music, um, or things have to be extremely quiet, um, banging migraines, and your whole body feels like lead for 10 years. So when you think about complaining for being indoors, especially if you are a healthy person, I think you need to start considering that there's people out there like Alice who have done it for 10 years and that's with being ill. As I said, I get why non-disabled people or those without chronic health conditions I totally get why you complain at times. Um, however, it's just to put things into perspective that actually you've still got it lucky because you have a healthy body. And it means just because you're indoors, you can still do a hell of a lot, whether it's on the Internet, playing computer games, reading books. You still have the ability to do so, whereas there's a lot of us out there who don't. Um, I think I might just explain my personal story a little bit. So for me, I was, I've been, I've had epilepsy since I was 17. I'm now in my early 30s. And life completely changed. And for years, I couldn't accept a lot of it. I had things planned in my mind. I wanted to join the Air Force and that didn't happen. So I got banned from flying because I had um, because I ended up with epileptic seizures. Um, fair enough. However, that was kind of my life. That was my entire life since I was four. It's just planes <laughs> as a girl. I don't know why, but, you know, that's I enjoyed. I enjoyed that sort of stuff. And. Life just ended up chucking me shit loads of lemons as a <laughs> after that. And unfortunately, as a result of kind of injuries from falling over with epileptic seizures, I ended up damaging my spine. That ended up damaging some of my nerves. And then later on, I had a mini stroke, um, which didn't help. And then five years ago, I ended up contracting uh, Lyme disease. So for those of you who don't know, that's from uh, tick bites. Um, just because you get bitten by a tick doesn't mean that you always get Lyme disease. But when you get Lyme disease, it's normally because you've been bitten by a tick. So that's how that works. Um, and that caused me to become paralyzed literally within months of me contracting that. And for six months solid, I have been housebound for longer than six months. Um, but I was able to move about um, a little bit. Um, but this time, because I was paralyzed for six months, um, I can't explain just how frightening that was. Um, because I was essentially at the mercy of other people, um, doing everything for me in terms of helping me wash, get dressed and feeding me and doing all sorts of stuff. And 
I fought damn hard to get back on my feet. And yes, I can still walk, even though I use a wheelchair. Um, and at least I have that freedom to be able to do so. I just can't walk very far because I'm in huge amounts of pain. Not much fun, but hey. But so for me, I I feel I'm really not dealing with this very well at all. You know, you'd think that I'd be kind of an expert on myself by now in terms of staying at home and, and knowing what that's like. But I think it's different when, for me, it's it's not boredom that's hitting me. It's just it's starting to deplete my energy a lot. Um, and I'm not sure why that is, if it's me being stressed or, yeah, I'm not sure why. But I'm starting to get really um, exhausted very quickly a lot of the time. I know it's currently not because I'm sick. I don't have symptoms at the moment. Touch wood, I don't develop them. Um, but it's it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just draining. And I don't know if maybe you feel like that, even though you haven't got any disabilities. So please explain if, if you are not disabled and you're feeling drained from being stuck indoors then at least I know I'm not going totally crazy. Um, but I think there's a bigger worry at the moment, is that there's been a lot of kind of eugenics talk, or maybe not, well, some people actually have been talking eugenics, but kind of this whole, what would you call it? Kind of like, oh, Mother Nature, oh, this is Mother Nature's way of, of of filtering out the kind of fittest of, of all of us sort of sort of rhetoric, you know, where it's kind of like, mm, thanks for that, you know. <laughs> I might be disabled, but, you know, come on. <laughs> I kind of should have a chance on, on surviving here. And literally, I, th I think this will be kind of week two or week three, week three probably now. Um it's been a case of I've been in tears nearly every, like every other day. Um, I have been on online um, has been quite difficult to read um, where it's very clear that for a lot of people, maybe that they haven't second thought this, but what it's been kind of reading when you read between the lines for a lot of things, it's like, wait a minute, disabled and elderly people are not, don't matter as much as a healthy person, a healthy adult. And it's got very difficult. So excuse me if I start um, going quiet. That's not something that's coming out of me when I start going quiet most people who do know me know I'm yeah you never normally get an awkward silence with me um however I, I'll just so a couple of weeks ago right okay brain starting to switch a little bit so a couple of weeks ago we had something called the coronavirus ah, coronavirus bill um a few weeks ago which essentially 
has meant that a lot of carers, so I'm just whittling down to kind of the practicalities of that bill because I cannot be bothered to get into the politics of it, has meant that a lot of people have had their carers removed because they've been either deemed non-essential or obviously being a, a health and safety sort of hazard. Um, and that has meant a lot of people that I know personally have ended up with having very little care. Um, and that, for the reality for some, is meaning that they're left in nappies, in adult nappies, for most of the day because they've gone down from five visits to two in a day to make sure that they've eaten in the morning and that they've eaten in the evening. Just, uh, yeah. So that's that's a huge thing that's going on and people are not talking about this enough. On top of that, obviously it's not just affecting Britain, but I know from what I understand it is affecting the US as well um, in terms of ventilators and the restricted amount of ventilators available. So, unfortunately, obviously the conversations are coming up about who should be given ventilators or give, you know, are able to be given a chance to survive when, uh, if the virus hits hard on that person. And As a disabled person and someone who relies on a non-invasive ventilator, so it's also known as a, a variable positive air pressure machine, or some people know them as a VPAP or a CPAP machine, um, and they're used commonly for like sleep apnea or like breathing. Some people ha have to have them all the time. So to, it's essentially what it does is keep your airways open, but without sticking a tube down your throat. And with with being reliant on one myself during the night because I can't breathe at night, I'm already got. I've already got to um, actually a couple of weeks. Not even a couple of weeks ago. Just I'd say just over a week ago, I actually received a phone call from my hospital asking me if um, if I would be able to. <laughs> if it was spare essentially that that the thing keeping me breathing at night was it spare <laughs> and I'm like I think I need it more right now but I have to be in you have to keep in mind that that equipment doesn't belong to me it belongs to the National Health Service so they actually legally have every right to take that away from me without asking for my permission they can just say, look, we want it back and I can't, I can't fight that. On top of that, so I have that worry on my head because I'm like, well, if they take it back, no, I would not die from having sleep apnea. However, my life would be on the line if I developed um, 
status epilepticus, or basically that means repeated seizures without being able to stop, um, or a or a really long seizure, um, without um, basically needing medications for it to stop. That means going into a hospital. So obviously it's kind of like, well, I don't want that to happen. But obviously that's played on me in terms of guilt because I'm like, have I just prevented in helping someone with this virus to save their life? And that's that's been playing on me for well over a week now as a result. And that's another reason why I'm crying as well because I'm thinking, have I just <clears throat> prevented someone from surviving this because I wouldn't give up my um you know i wouldn't give up my sheet my machine um cuz outweighing it is if if i don't keep it then my seizures could go up um during my sleep i have stopped breathing during seizures um but not only that that means i end up in hospital anyway um for non coronavirus related reasons and could put myself at risk even further on top of that on another thing is i worry about would would i be um if it came down to it would they refuse to ventilate me what's called invasive ventilation so that's a tube down the throat would that be um given to me as an option or would they say well i've got too many disabilities i'm less likely in surviving it um if they did so and that plays on me that because they're already starting to refuse older people they have sent letters um so gp practices um i think three or four have been identified in sending letters to um people either with severe disabilities um and also over particular ages um sending them a uh, a uh, dnar forms or dnr forms which is do not resuscitate forms to fill out to say look well you know um just to just to say be aware of that someone else could pull through um i actually could find the letter for you that was sent to one person bear with me see if i can see if i can actually find it um excuse me for the tapping away i don't know why i had to get the the one of the loudest keyboard, keyboards ever but i i don't know I, I don't know about you but i find the tapping very therapeutic um but i'm going to see if i can find um and it's been mainly kind of mainly forced on older people at the moment um but eventually like they they basically um one of the uh gp surgeries so general practitioner surgeries turned around and apologized and was kind of like okay um Yeah. So let me see if I can actually 
want to try and get a full copy so I can actually see it properly because I've got, there's one that I was lost like mm, can't read that. But yeah, so at the moment the just while I find that at the moment the kind of argument is obviously people should not be pushed into signing those forms um, at all. They shouldn't and we've had one or one or two cases where um their GP is overriding anyway in terms of that in terms of that even people who don't want to sign one have been overridden and the doctors have signed one on their behalf, like as if they can't make a decision, uh, which is worrying. It is very worrying. Um, and obviously, it's kind of like, um, the problem is it's it's we're seeing this happening with older people, but we know as disabled people, it is going to be coming down to, between the choice of between healthy and and between non-disabled and disabled people that according to med dates logically the life to save would be that of someone who has a quote healthy life and because of better quality of life and that worries me because I have personally, I'm only going to speak from myself now. Personally, I have a hell of a lot to give. And I have given so much. The The work that I do, I um, and I do this all voluntary. I do not get paid a penny for what I do. So I'm a deaf and disability um, advisor for police services, for my local council, and for transport within London. I have seen changes that have been made as a as a direct result of issues that I have brought up and of me banging on and banging on and banging on at managers or higher members of staff to change things so things are more accessible for deaf and disabled people. And no, I'm not a one-man band. There is loads of us out there some of us work in groups some of us work alone but I have personally seen the changes of things that I have either been involved with or done solo um and so the idea of someone thinking that my quality of life is less than someone without a disability really gripes me because most people without disability are obviously doing a job fantastic for you you're giving to society you're paying your taxes but are you making a difference to other people or is it just you're working to get income in your pocket and that's it basically and essentially I'm fighting for my life here that's how it's working now I'm fighting for my life in all corners because I worry about if I get sick, then am I going to be denied ventilation if I need it? And also trying to prevent becoming sick as well has been a huge thing for me as well. Um, so at the moment, there is a government program thing going on. 
where people with certain disabilities um, are entitled to get help from the government in terms of like food packages and stuff. So it's only just started like I think a couple of days ago or the end of last week and the food packages were horrific. Like some was just biscuits. It was just like, are you kidding me? Do you think people can live on biscuits? Especially disabled people with severe needs. On top of that, I do not then, although I am severely disabled, I do not meet that particular high-risk, severely disabled um, uh, it, oh, what's the term? Yeah, I don't meet those uh, criteria in being in having help from the government. Yet I'm severely disabled. So on top of that, um, at the moment, people who the su- supermarkets who are doing home delivery, a lot of them are prioritising those who are on that government, quote, government list to say that they are extremely high risk and need food delivered to their home. Fair enough. Um, So I can't then get, personally, because I don't come under that list, I then can't do home delivery or have to wait for a good number of weeks which in the meantime it's like well that means I have to go out to get food anyway so I don't meet that criteria to be able to get food delivery even though if I got sick my I even with a cold my epilepsy goes out of control and this time last year actually I was um, in intensive care unit and that was simply simply down to sheer exhaustion so I hadn't um I hadn't been well the two weeks previous and so it meant that I hadn't slept uh, more than a couple of hours a night for two weeks solid and for me that that's detrimental to my health and basically my body just went bye (laughs) just no and and I just suddenly stopped breathing and I was in intensive care for several days I, luckily, I didn't need um, I didn't need invasive ventilation, but I had to use my um, my VPAP machine um, to help me keep breathing. I had to use oxygen to help. So I know that if I got even a common cold, can put me in that situation. So the idea of of a virus of this magnitude that can do that that is killing off a lot of people let's just be honest about it that is a huge fear to me because of the fact that it's like well my seizures could potentially just completely go out of control and that creates a complication um in terms of trying to then save my life and then because of that complication, will I then be off, you know, be offered actual help in terms of um, invasive ventilation um, to essentially survive? Um, so that's that's then another thing as a disabled person. So I have no choice but to go out because I am not, um, I don't qualify for for certain help. 
to be able to stay at home to keep as safe as I can. And then on top, for the first couple of weeks, I mean, it's getting less and less now, which is a good thing. But people were doing panic buying. So it meant I wasn't going out in the morning because I was trying to prevent going out when there was a lot of people. And I'm still doing that. And um, for me, I would be going out in the evening um, to try and keep away from crowds as much as possible to try and lessen the risk of getting sick. That meant, though, that because of people panic buying and bulk buying, it meant that I went to a shop where there was no milk, there's no eggs, and a huge, massive, I've got huge, massive supermarket and several smaller ones. I think I've got five within like half a mile radius of my home. And I remember just going into the shop and there was no, there was no bread, there was no eggs, there was no milk, there wasn't even fresh vegetables. And I remember coming out of there and I was sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. I just could not stop crying because it was like I couldn't even give myself a chance to be able to keep myself as healthy as possible. So in the event that I did contract the virus, at least my body would be giving it a hell of a chance to survive from that. So the idea that I couldn't even keep myself healthy, which is a first for me, because normally I've been really good with myself on making sure I'm eating a good range of foods. I love vegetables, by the way. <laughs> I mean, most people don't say that, but I really do like vegetables. And, you know, to be able to, there was no meat even. No, I couldn't I couldn't get chicken to make just simple chicken and rice. Oh, because the rice had also been sold out. There was no pasta. It was just, I was just thinking how suddenly everyone turned Italian. Seriously, like all the pasta gone. I was just like, oh, okay. They're all Italian Italian now. But hey, so that's kind of what it was like for the first few weeks. And then I was just like, fuck it. So I went out at seven o'clock in the morning because I'd been awake all night. And uh, yeah. So that was kind of sometime last week. I was like, but I need to get actual proper food, like actual eggs and actual meat, because I cannot live on fucking cheese strings, <laughs> which is what I was eating a lot of in sandwiches, because um, I was making my own bread. So, well, actually, I was buying bread. <laughs> making my own bread's a lie. I uh, actually was buying rolls from the news agent. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's how it went, and so it just sucked. It just fucking sucked, and I just felt like, great, I'm I'm just gonna end up withering away, and no one's gonna fucking notice. I really felt like that. I, I thought, great, I'm just gonna die, and no one's gonna bloody notice, because I happen to actually live on my own. I don't don't need carers anymore. I Luckily, my home is built for me, so it's all adapted. So, you know, I've got everything I need in my home to be adapted for my needs. So within my home, I am, um, everything's accessible to me, and that's why I don't need carers. It's because I can do everything myself because I've got the things that I need. When I go out, though, of course, then it's a kind of different story. Then I sometimes need help from people to reach things but now I've got a new wheelchair that can go up and down about six feet it's amazing I can reach the top shelves so 
Lucky me. However, there's certain things that I cannot get around, and one thing is, is not is it, it just sucks that I can't keep myself safe. Because especially with severe disabilities, I would prefer trying to keep myself as safe as I can from getting sick. And it just sucks that for once I can't do that for myself and other even other people can't help me to do that either. So just yeah, it's it it just sucks. It just sucks that I can't keep myself healthy. And then on top on social media, then people are saying it's not necessarily nasty things, but going, oh, it's, I mean, maybe you agree with it. I don't know. Please let me know on saying what survival of the fittest. Oh, it's just, it's, oh, it's just life that older people will die anyway. And disabled people are less likely to live long lives, et cetera, et cetera. This is the stuff that I've had. Um, I even had it on here a couple of weeks back as well. And it was just like, yeah, thanks for that, mate. Made me feel wanted. So, at least I can handle it today. I have to be honest. I think the last time I talked about this on here, I was just sobbing and I couldn't stop crying. And even though I've kind of got this stone in my throat sort of moment at the moment talking about this, at least I'm kind of holding back at the moment. So there we go. But it's it's really difficult to try and explain to people who aren't disabled that we've got not only the government systems where they're removing care, and then we've got non-disabled people complaining. And now at the moment, obviously, a lot of people are losing their jobs. You know, thank God I'm not in that position. And I'm so sorry if you are one of those people that have lost your jobs. Um, here in Britain what people are finding very hard to get their head around is how are they going to live on 90 odd pounds a week i don't know what that is in dollars but um it's not very much and it's like oh by the way you do realize that people who are on what's called job seekers so who aren't in work but are seeking seeking work um on job seekers or universal credit or um disability benefits that is how much we get and it's like wait a minute people are complaining that they can't live on that when it's like wait a minute we've done it for years and that's why I want to bash people's heads in with a baseball bat at times because I'm starting to hear complaints about staying in and about how much money they're getting etc and it's just like yeah we've been doing that thanks a lot and obviously Again, the non-disabled people are being heard more. Another thing that's got to me. Oh, gosh, this is a ranting one today. Oh, <laughs> excuse me for that. So another bit that's got to me is also the fact of showing just how much people, disabled people are valued. So, as I said, I mean, I, I do a lot of voluntary work and that. But on a different level of things, for those who can... um you know, do studying for those who can work and need just a bit of adjustment. So it's been shown that it's quite easy for many businesses to be run from home. 
it's been shown as well that a lot of education can be taught from home because teachers are able to be live streamed um, so students can watch online to be educated. Yet disabled people, disabled young people have asked for years to have access to their education when they're not able to come into school that they can access on live stream to be able to watch their teachers still teaching subjects. And yet over and over again, and that's from that's from primary, secondary, university and everything in between. And yet now, because of basically everything kind of life being frozen sort of thing, that oh now they're able to do it. And that's and that's the thing, it's showing that wait a minute, you've had the capabilities of being able to do it or get your head around being able to do it. Yet you couldn't do it for your disabled students. And I've known people who have left university because they've not had enough support that they could study from home at certain times or um, had notes taken for them or being able to sit in on a lecture from home when they're not well enough, but at least well enough to watch the teacher being live streamed. And that's not happened. And yet now, magically, it's happening everywhere. On top of that, with work, as I said, a lot of um, it's been, you know, maybe some of you are working from home and normally you work from an office. And it's quite clear that many jobs can be done from home. And yet disabled people, um, well, disabled people who are capable of working, uh, you know, working a computer, being able to do loads of jobs, actually. Um, and it's like, wait a minute, so those adjustments wouldn't be made for that disabled person yet now because we have we have to stay at home. Oh, now those adjustments can be made because the because it's now for non-disabled, it's affecting the non-disabled part of society. And that really gripes me because it's it's this is the first time since becoming disabled I have ever, ever felt segregated i mean i've always as a disabled person i've always known that some people will see me differently um will think that i'm incapable of doing certain things and maybe i don't know maybe that's true <laughs> i'm not quite sure um you know but i live every single day and make sure that i do as much as i can in giving to society because i have this perpetual fear and i've always had it it's not just because of the coronavirus going around, but I've always had this perpetual fear of leaving this world without making an impact on it, without even a small change being made. So I've got this perpetual fear that it I don't need to have a placard to say that this change has been done or or a certificate or anything, but I just I live in that fear of going. Have I made enough changes to this world as a person? And I realised actually that I have made a lot of changes. I don't know if it's enough for one person. I never think it's enough. You know, I always think if you're still alive, then you still make the bloody effort. But 
yeah i'm just i have i have this fear of of going of of thinking i'll you know will i leave this world without an impact without having made a change in someone's life and the idea of actually i realized i have made so many changes and the idea of the way that i'm being treated either verbally or now i mean today i had someone being extremely aggressive um and shouted um i didn't realize i skipped a queue at a supermarket by accident honestly it was by accident if people were nice enough to talk to me in a humane way i would have been fine um but yeah so it, it was, the queue was all the way around the car park so i kind of drift you onto this story that i didn't realize i jumped the queue because everyone was being good and making sure they were two meters apart from each other in the queue so quite spread out so i didn't know where it kind of ended and someone decided to shout at me um you know and saying oh that i've jumped the fucking queue and luckily before i even said anything because i am a very outspoken person so before i even said anything someone just decided to shout shout back at her and went she's disabled have a little fucking humanity <laughs> that's actually quite rare for people to stick up for me normally because i i stuck up for myself within seconds um but yeah that that restored my faith a little bit but it's just it's like a million emotions are, are going through me with all of this so i feel kind of like all all the work that i do voluntary wise it involves me going out um and going out to meet people i'm very much a face-to-face -face person i talk ahead of a lot but that helps me in terms of being able to connect with people and i connect better i think as a deaf person as well i visually connect with this world and so this idea of connecting behind a fucking screen just does my head in because it's like it's so isolating i don't want to be staring at a flat rectangle to see people's faces i want to be face to face with someone in real time like actual in the room sort of thing and it's not happening obviously and that's not because people don't want to it's just a case of with everything going on and so i'm starting to get frustrated with that a lot and it's, it's only just really kind of cemented into my head it really has cemented the fact that humans are not supposed to be solitary creatures at all i've always kind of said this i've always said we're not supposed to kind of live on our own we're supposed to share life with other people or what's the fucking point <laughs> i know that some people are fine on their own and they like traveling solo and enjoy the world and that's fantastic actually if, if you can do that bloody hell that's amazing i mean i love going to places on my own but deep down i know i'd prefer to go to a place with with someone else so i have a i have a partner actually doesn't live with me so yeah so that means we haven't seen each other in weeks 
It's just frustrating the life out of me. Um, and then not being able to see my family as well. Um, I'm I'm just coming up to like next month in a month's time will be a year anniversary since my nana passed away. And my nana was my everything. She was my absolute world on top of like no one else mattered more than she did in my life. And obviously, and, and it was the same for my mum and family members, that that's how we all felt about my nana, that an incredible human being. I mean, she had her flaws sometimes, but I still loved her all the same. And, yeah, I'm just... So, obviously, the anniversary is coming up. And it really crushes me in the inside that I can't spend that anniversary with my family because that's we had planned it in our heads that we wanted to be with each other um, on that day because of how much she meant to us and just to be able to share some time together and talk about memories and stuff like that because we're that's those sorts of people now. now. <laughs> I say now because, like, previously we're, we're quite private people, though, and saying that my family, we're not in each other's faces. It's a case of, how are you? You okay? And then don't hear you from two for two months. But this is one thing that when something unites people together, it, and and this and my grandma was one of those people. She knitted the entire family together essentially. And so it's very difficult her not being here because when I feel like this, I would have been calling her and going, Nan, I'm going nuts. And I, can't, I don't even have that. And my mum being an essential worker and working through the night means I can't call her during normal hours because of her job and what she does. She works She works from about uh, well, 6 p.m. and doesn't finish till about 10 a.m. and then goes straight to bed afterwards. <laughs> so it means that she's not awake during normal hours. So I then don't have that. And however much I love my my uncle and my aunt as well we've not had a very close relationship for a million and one circumstances not because of anything bad at all between us just different dynamics and they've got their own life and and so I've always been a solitary person in terms of being independent and um, I left my home I left uh, my mum's home when I was 19 and she moved uh, She moved back up north. I stayed in London, so that meant that since I was 19, I basically got to see her twice a, month, twice a year. That's how it's been for, for the past 12 odd years. Um, and I can deal with that. I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm, I realised I'm a very independent person, but certainly not one that's comfortable being solitary. There's a difference. So this is weird because although I'm still independent in one way, I have totally lost independence on being able to be reliant on some of the things that I'm normally reliant on. So like getting home delivery for shopping, I'm not reliant on it on a normal basis, but something like this, I should be reliant on it because the fact is that I shouldn't be going out. And yet, I am going out because that's the only way I can get food. 
so yeah so so sorry i'm rambling i'm totally rambling i've just realized this so oh god i think i was just trying to get out my head what was frustrating me today so um yeah <laughs> thanks for listening people um but yeah if you're actually listening on on here please feel free and and butting in or telling me how you're coping what if you're finding anything difficult um then please please feel free um but yeah right on a five minute break on my head (laughs) i normally normally i start with um because i don't recognize half your names on here Uh, so i'm assuming first time listeners um normally before i even start going into my live cast um i will normally start with i keep saying normally for some reason rosa get your head around it um so i start with um actually trying out sweets or chocolates so like unusual ones that i see in the shops and and i if i've not tried them before then normally i give you a real real time um reaction on them so what i've actually got so i'm going to switch to that now because my brain needs to switch off coronavirus issues right now um i have got in front of me four different types of ritter sports so i saw them at my local lidl which is a big ass supermarket and the four that i've got that i've never tried before by the way so the only ritter sports that i've actually tried is hazelnut ones and i'm doing good joe thanks <laughs> thank you for asking you're the first person that started commenting so um so yeah so in terms of the ritter sports that i got i got four different flavors i've never tried them out before so i'm gonna try them while i'm on so the first one i've got is peppermint and then i've got marzipan coconut and rum and raisin with hazelnuts so I've only ever tried um, the hazelnut Ritter Sport, and there's another one like chocolate with wafers, wafer type things. So, right, I'm going to get started. Chocolate. Right. So first one I've got, I'm going to try the peppermint one. I'm guessing this is going to be like um, maybe like after eight chocolates. You know, it's basically ch- chocolate mint. That's that's really what it's going to be, isn't it? Like an after eight. If you if you don't know what after eights are, they're very very thin squares, and it's kind of a mint sort of texture in the middle, and chocolate, and they're very thin. And normally to eat them, I will sip hot tea, and then <laughs> this sounds so naughty. Slide one in my mouth and allow it to melt, or I put one in my mouth first and then sip tea and just allow it to melt, and it's really nice right so this one right let's try this oh oh well that tastes good that's a nice one that that tastes exactly like an after eight um Bear with me. I'm so sorry. 
if you're hearing any noises in the background, it's actually my cats. I have two cats that drive me crazy. Normally, I chuck them out of the room, but because it's the daytime, I haven't chucked them out now. I should have done. That peppermint one is really nice. I have to admit, right. The next one is Marzi Mountain. I'm only trying one cube at a time because because <laughs> don't want to do is ruin my dinner. Uh, right. How on earth do I open these packets? Oh, for the love of all the society. Ah, oh, here we go. Right. I love marzipan. Oh. Ready? Oh gosh, that's good. It's dark chocolate as well. I love dark chocolate. Oh, that's really, really good. Sorry about that. Just to clarify, um, I'm I don't do group calls. Sorry, because I've just had a comment asking about Patsy English. Um, I don't do group calls because I'm deaf, so I wouldn't be able to hear on, on group calling at all. Because I can't hear very much. I have to say the Rittersport marzipan is awesome. If you love marzipan, you'll like that one. Right. Next one. Next one is milk chocolate with coconut cream filling. Um, right. I'm guessing maybe tastes like a bounty. Maybe not. That's nice, but there's not much coconut coming through. Not as much coconut as I'd like. Hmm. A bit disappointed with that. It's nice. I like coconut. Actually, I love coconut, but that was a little bit disappointing. There's not enough coconut in that at all. all right. And the last one I'm trying, rum and raisin with hazelnuts. I love rum and raisin anything. My favourite is rum and raisin ice cream. Right. Here we go. Oh, I can smell that. Oh, God. It, literally, as you open the packet, you can smell the rum. Oh, wow. Oh, that tastes so good. Oh, that was totally worth it. Oh, gosh, that's good. The smell, though, coming out the packet. Crikey. It's two percent rum, so <laughs> oh, I have to have I have to have another piece of this. That's so good. Oh, without doubt, you can <laughs> you can taste the alcohol in that. These are great. Oh, it's really, really good. Hands down, my favourite is the rum and raisin one with the hazelnuts. Hands down. And then probably my second favourite would be the marzipan one. Peppermint and then coconut 
Not really at all. I like it's it's okay for it being a chocolate, but it's quite disappointing for being a Ritter Sport. Oh dear, I've got chocolate all over. <laughs> oh crikey! Right. So there's my sweetie round at the moment. Um. Sorry, I'm having to have some water. But yeah, um, right. I'm going to um end my live stream for now. Live stream, live cast, live cast. Um, I'm going to say my goodbyes for now. Um, this is probably the shortest shortest live cast I've ever done normally the long the longest I've done is four hours the shortest I've done is probably two so this is ultra short for me but I think yeah if I go too much into the subject it will get to me too much but I kind of needed to let it out so um but yeah thank you so much for joining me as I said you can follow me on twitter um at Deaf Passenger. Um, also, as I said, you can have a look on my blog, which is www.thedeafpassenger.com. Um, I know I haven't written much in it for quite a long time, <coughs> over a year. Um, <clears throat> but I think in this day and age, I think I will get to the point where I'll be like bashing on my keyboards. Um, I will be bashing something out. I just don't know what. And I think maybe there's just so much. I'm overthinking constantly that I'm not sure kind of where to start again. So hopefully I'll, I'll write something. Um, but yeah, thank, thank you so much for the new fans that I've got today. Um, so yeah, if you, if you want to follow me or get notifications or when I'm up next, normally I do put schedule wise when I'm going to be on um but as this was a kind of last minute thought that's why this wasn't a scheduled one um so if you add yourself as a fan then you'll get notified thank you for the stars and likes um the more the the more that is provided the nicer it is only so I know that I'm talking about something that you guys are actually interested in um but yeah thank you so much and Everyone, please, please stay safe. So thank you so much for joining me. This has been Death in the City and with your host, the Deaf Passenger. Normally I say safe travels, but say, instead I will say today, stay the fuck at home. Take care. Stop is London Central. Final destination. As you disembark the train, please ensure you leave all emotional baggage behind. If you require ramp assistance and you have booked this in advance, 
please give it 10 minutes before you start panicking. Thank you.